Hyponatremia is a common electrolyte problem that is defined as a rise in serum sodium concentration to a value exceeding 145. It is strictly defined as a hyperosmolar condition caused by a decrease in total body water relative to the electrolyte content. Hyponatremia is a water problem, not a problem of sodium hemostasis. Community-acquired hyponatremia generally occurs in elderly people who are mentally and physically impaired, often with an acute infection. Patients who develop hyponatremia during the course of hospitalization have an age distribution similar to that of the general hospital population. In both patient groups, hyponatremia is caused by impaired thirst and or restricted access to water, often exacerbated by the pathological conditions with increased fluid loss. The development of hyperosmality from the water loss can lead to neuronal cell shrinkage and resultant brain injury. Loss of volume can lead to circulatory problems such as tachycardia and hypotension. Acute symptomatic hyponatremia is defined as hyponatremia occurring in a documented period of less than 24 hours and should be corrected rapidly, while chronic hyponatremia occurs over greater than 48 hours and should be corrected more slowly due to the risk of cerebral edema during treatment. Conservation and excretion of water by the kidney depends on the normal secretion and action of the antidiuretic hormone and is fairly tightly regulated. The stimulus for antidiuretic hormone secretion is an activation of the hypothalamic osmoreceptors, which occurs when the plasma osmolality reaches a certain threshold. At plasma osmolalities below this threshold level, antidiuretic hormone secretion is suppressed to low or undetectable levels. Other uh, afferent stimuli, such as a decrease in effective arterial blood volume, pain, nausea, anxiety, and numerous drugs can also cause a release of antidiuretic hormone. Antidiuretic hormone is synthesized in a specialized monocellular neur neurons whose cell bodies are located in the supraoptic and paraventricular nuclei of the hypothalamus. The prohormone is processed and transported down the axon, which terminates in the posterior pituitary gland. From there, it is secreted as the ant active antidiuretic hormone into the circulation in response to the appropriate stimulus, such as hyperosmolality and hypovolemia. Antidiuretic hormone binds to the B2 receptor located in the basolateral membrane of the principal cells of the renal collection ducts, whereby allowing the absorption of free water in this otherwise water impermeable segment of the tubular system. Thirst is the body's mechanism to increase water consumption in response to detected deficits in body fluid. As with antidiuretic hormone secretion, thirst is mediated by an increase in effective plasma osmolality of only 2 to 3%. Thirst is thought to be mediated by osmoreceptors located in the atrioventricular hypothalamus. The osmotic thirst threshold averages approximately 288 to 295. This mechanism is so effective that even in pathological states in which patients are unable to concentrate their urine, such as with diabetes insipidus, and excrete excessive amounts of urine, hyponatremia does not develop because thirst is stimulated and the body fluid osmodality is maintained at the expense of profound secondary polydipsia. 
Developing hypernatremia is virtually impossible if the thirst response is intact and water is available. Thus, sustained hypernatremia can occur only when the thirst mechanism is impaired and water intake does not increase in response to the hyperosmolality or when water ingestion is severely restricted. Acute hypernatremia is associated with a rapid decrease in intracellular water content and brain volume caused by an osmotic shift of free water out of the cells. Within 24 hours, electrolyte uptake into the intracellular compartment results in partial restoration of brain volume. A second phase of adaptation characterized by an increase in intracellular organic solute content restores brain volume to normal. Some patients complete this adaptive response in less than 48 hours. The accumulation of intracellular solutes bears the risk for cerebral edema during rehydration, and thus the brain cell response to hypernatremia is a critical factor with rehydration. Hypernatremia signs and symptoms include restlessness, agitation, seizures, or coma, dry mucous membranes, excessive thirst, oliuria, muscle weakness and sluggishness, weight loss, peripheral edema, and elevated blood pressure. You can end up with hypernatremia because of excessive sodium intake from hypertonic IV saline solutions, IV solutions with sodium bicarbonate, or isotonic solutions. Uh, tube feedings with high sodium content without water supplements, inadequate water intake is seen in patients with other levels of consciousness, cognitively impaired, or patients who are NPO. Dehydration, vomiting, excessive water loss because of fever, perspiration, heat stroke, hyperventilation, diarrhea, polyuria commonly found in diabetes insipidus, uncontrolled diabetes, or Cushing syndrome, excessive corticosteroid use, uh, hyperaldosteronism, hepatic failure, alterations in hypothalamus thirst response centers, medications such as lithium, um, gentamicin, and they affect the renal response to the antidiuretic hormone. Prevention and screening become important, so need to discuss the importance of adequate fluid intake to prevent dehydration, discuss compliance with medications and medical follow-up for pre-existing disease processes, discuss the use of oral rehydration solutions, which should be only used at times of potential dehydration because they contain high sodium content. Non-pharmacological treatments uh, really focus on addressing the cause of the hypernatremia, looking at possible dialysis, fluid management through monitoring of INO, controlled IV infusion rates, monitoring daily weight to assure that weight loss is appropriate, and a sodium-restricted diet. Um, pharmacological treatment really focuses around uh, diuretics and IV fluids with D5W or hypotonic saline solutions. Some special considerations is that if hypernatremia has occurred over a period of time, reducing the sodium level slowly becomes important to prevent the rapid shifting of fluids into the cells. And that hypernatremia can occur in the adult population because of the lack of administration of water to hospital patients, particularly those who are critically ill or intubated. Expected outcomes include um, the underlying cause will be treated, normal neuro neural function will be maintained, normal hydration status is maintained as showed by good skin turgor, weight stabilization, and the patient will be alert and oriented. 
Complications include possible seizures and coma. Hyponatremia is defined as a serum sodium concentration of less than 135. It is a common and important electrolyte imbalance that can be seen in isolation or as most often is the case as a complication of other medical illnesses, such as heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure, or pneumonia. The normal serum sodium concentration is 135 to 145. Hyponatremia can be classified as mild, moderate, or profound. Mild hyponatremia is 130 to 134. Moderate hyponatremia is 125 to 129. And profound hyponatremia is less than 125. Hyponatremia is also classified according to the volume status. Hypovolemic hyponatremia is when there is a decrease in total body water with greater decrease in total body sodium. Euvolemic hyponatremia is when there is a normal body sodium with an increase in total body water. Hypervolemic hyponatremia is an increase in total body sodium with a greater increase in total body water. Correction of hyponatremia varies according to its source, its severity, and its duration. In patients whose hyponatremia has a known duration of greater than 48 hours, treatment must be calibrated to avoid the osmotic demyelination syndrome, which can result from an overly rapid correction. The signs and symptoms of hyponatremia range from nausea and malaise with mild reduction in the serum sodium to lethargy, decreased level of consciousness, and headache, and it can even lead to seizures and coma and severe losses. There are three essential laboratory tests in the evaluation of patients with hyponatremia that, together with the history and the physical examination, help to establish the primary underlying etiological mechanism. Those include the urine osmolality, the serum osmolality, and the urine sodium concentration. Urine osmolality helps differentiate between conditions associated with impaired free water excretion and primary polydipsia. A urine osmolality greater than 100 indicates impaired ability of the kidneys to dilute the urine. Serum osmolality readily differentiates between true hyponatremia and pseudohyponatremia. The latter may be secondary to hyperlipidemia or hyperproteinemia, or maybe because of hypertonic hyponatremia associated with elevated glucose mannitol, or glycine. Urinary sodium concentration helps differentiate between hyponatremia secondary to hypovolemia and the syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone secretion. Hypotonic hyponatremia accounts for most clinical cases of hyponatremia and can be treated with fluids. Acute hyponatremia with a duration of less than 48 hours can be safely corrected more quickly than the chronic hyponatremia. The treatment of hypertonic and pseudohyponatremia is directed at the underlying disorder in the absence of symptoms. 
administer isotonic saline to patients who are hypovolemic to replace the contracted intravascular volume. Patients with hypovolemia secondary to diuretics may also need potassium repletion. Treat patients who are hypovolemic with salt and fluid restrictions plus loop diuretics and correction of the underlying condition. The use of a V2 receptor antagonist may also be considered. For euvolemic asymptomatic hyponatremic patients, free water restriction is generally the treatment of choice. There is no role for hypotonic saline in these patients. When treating patients with overtly asymptomatic hyponatremia, such as those presenting with seizures and severe neurologic deficits, hypertonic or 3% saline should be used. There are two vasopressant receptor antagonists that are approved for treatment with euvolemic and hypervolemic hyponatremia. These are conavaptin or varaparcel and tolavaptin or samska. Both agents increase urinary free water excretion. Conavaptin is administered intravenously, while tolavaptin is administered only orally. With both agents, initiation and reinitiation of therapy must take place in hospital, where serum sodium levels can be monitored closely. Hypoosmolality always indicates excess total body water relative to body solutes or excess water relative to the solute and the extracellular fluid, as water moves freely between the intracellular and the extracellular compartments. This imbalance can be due to solute depletion, solute dilution, or a combination of both. Under normal conditions, renal handling of water is sufficient to excrete as much as 15 to 20 liters of free water per day. Further, the body's response to a decreased osmolality is decreased thirst. Thus, hyponatremia can occur only when some condition impairs normal free water excretion. Generally, hyponatremia is of clinical significance only when it reflects a drop in the serum osmolality. The recommendations for treatment of hyponatremia rely on the current understanding of the CNS adaptation to an altered serum osmolality. In the setting of an acute drop in the serum osmolality, the neuronal cell swelling occurs due to the water shift from the extracellular space to the intracellular space. Swelling of the brain cells elicits the following two osmoregulatory processes. First, it inhibits the antidiuretic hormone from the neurons in the hypothalamus and the hypothalamic thirst center. This leads to the excess water elimination as dilute urine. Second, there is an immediate in, uh, cellular adaptation with loss of electrolytes, and over the next few days, there is a more gradual loss of organic intracellular osmolytes. Therefore, correction of hyponatremias must take into account the chronicity of the condition. Acute hyponatremia occurring over less than 48 hours can be safely corrected more quickly than chronic hyponatremia. Correction of cerium sodium that is too rapid can precipitate severe neurologic complications. Most individuals who present for diagnosis versus individuals who develop it while in an inpatient setting have had hyponatremia for some time, so the condition is considered chronic and correction should proceed accordingly. Patients may present to medical attention with symptoms related to low 
serum sodium concentrations. However, many patients present due to manifestations of other medical comorbidities, with hyponatremia being recognized only secondarily. In many cases, therefore, the recognition is entirely incidental. Clinical symptoms may result from the cause of hyponatremia or the hyper or the hyponatremia itself. Many medical illnesses, such as chronic heart failure, liver failure, renal failure, or pneumonia, may be associated with hyponatremia. These patients frequently present because of their primary diseases. Exercise-associated hyponatremia, which develops during or immediately after physical activity, was first reported in athletes participating in long-duration, high-intensity exercise, particularly in hot weather but has since been described in otherwise healthy participants in a variety of sporting and recreational activities, including team sports and yoga classes. Exercise-associated hyponatremia results from drinking hypotonic fluids, such as water and sports drinks, beyond thirst and in excess of sweat, urine, and insensible water losses. Symptoms of hyponatremia range from nausea and malaise with mild reduction in the serum sodium to lethargy, decreased level of consciousness, headache, and if it is severe, seizures and coma. Overt neurological symptoms most often are due to very low serum sodium levels, resulting in intracerebral osmotic fluid shifts and brain edema. This neurologic symptom complex can lead to tetratronal herniation with subsequent brainstem compression and respiratory arrest, resulting in death in the most severe of cases. The severity of neurologic symptoms correlates well with the rate and degree of the drop in serum sodium. A gradual drop in serum sodium, even to very low levels, may be tolerated well if it occurs over several days or weeks because of the neuronal adaption process. The presence of an underlying neurologic disease like seizure disorder or non-neurologic metabolic abnormalities like hypoxia, hypercampia, or acidosis also affects the severity of the neurological symptoms. In interviewing the patients, obtaining a detailed medical history, including information on over-the-counter drugs the patient has been using is important because many medications may precipitate hyponatremia, such as antipsychotic medications, antidepressants, antielectics, and diuretics. A dietary history with reference to salt, protein, and water intake is useful as well. For patients who are hospitals, hospitalized, reviewing the records of parental fluids administered is crucial. Hyponatremia can present with irritability, restlessness, agitation, seizures, or coma, dry mucous membranes, excessive thirst, postural hypotension, tachycardia, a weakened thready pulse, cool and clammy skin, headache, muscle spasms, weakness, sluggishness, nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramps, and decreased urination. It can be caused by excessive diuresis, wound drainage, renal disease, low-sodium diet, increased aldosterone secretion, being NPO, burns, freshwater immersion, um, certain malignancies such as prostate, small cell, lung cancer, and renal cell cancers, syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone, hyperglycemia, heart failure, use of diuretics, antipsychotic and selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, 
nephrotic syndrome and uh, irrigation with hypotonic solutions. Risk factors um, also include potassium depletion and acute water intoxication. Prevention and screening includes the discussion of importance of appropriate fluid intake, discussion compliance with medications and medical follow-up for pre-existing condition. Um, Non-pharmacological treatments always center around treating the cause, fluid management through monitoring of INO, fluid restriction, and the control of IV infusion rates. Sodium supplemented diets such as potatoes with skins and the restricted use of salt substitutes. Pharmacologic treatment in, uh, uses uh, diuretics if possible, particularly the thiazides um, and declocomycin. A special consideration is that infusion of hypertonic solutions can be irritating to vessels and monitoring of the IV site is needed to prevent infiltration and pain. Expected outcomes include intake and output will approximate themselves, the patient will be awake, alert, and oriented, and the cause will be identified and be treated. Potential cop uh, complications include potential safety needs existing because of weakness and confusion, um, and that they may need supervision and use of side rails for safety. Hyperkalemia is abnormally high serum potassium level or potassium greater than five. Um, signs and symptoms include irritability, anxiety, abdominal cramping, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, weakness, parathesia, irregular pulse, cardiac arrhythmias, such as ventricular fibrillation, PVCs, or even cardiac arrest, EKG changes such as a tall peaked T wave, prolonged PR interval, or a loss of a P wave. Um, causes of hyperkalemia include excessive or chronic chronic uses of diuretics, particularly potassium sparing diuretics, excessive intake of potassium-rich foods, salt substitute containing potassium or medication high in potassium, excessive or rapid parenteral administration of potassium supplements, crush injuries, fever, burns, sepsis, acidosis, because potassium exits the cells and enters the, uh, the serum in acidotic states, renal disease, uncontrolled diabetes, ACE inhibitors, multiple blood uh, transfusions because of the preservatives in them. Risk and factors also include the presence of leukocytosis and leukemia, uh, which can lead to elevated potassium levels. Prevention and screening, frequent monitoring of serum lab values in patients with disease processes such as renal failure or trauma, which can predispose patients to the retention of potassium, discuss compliance with medications and medical follow-up for pre-existing disease processes, non-pharmacologic treatment, as always, is focused on treating the cause, fluid management through monitoring of intake and output in the control of IV infusion rates, stopping all potassium supplements, a potassium-restricted diet, uh, dialysis. Pharmacological treatments um, include the use of diuretics if possible, uh, such as Lasix, the administration of sodium polystyrene sulfonate or kaexalate, uh, which is a cation exchange resin, and it can be given either orally or as an enema.
Some special considerations is the excessive use of salt substitutes may predispose a patient to altered potassium levels. Some medications can cause an elevation in potassium levels, such as potassium preparation of antibiotics, tetracycline, heparin, and aldosterone antagonists. Um, expected outcomes include that the patient will show no cardiac arrhythmias, that the underlying cause will be treated, that normal potassium levels will return, and the patient and family will understand the dietary restrictions that can help prevent hyperkalemia, and the patient and family will understand the appropriate use of potassium supplements and the salt substitutes. Potential complications include prolonged hyperkalemia can lead to flaccid paralysis and cardiac arrest. Um, hyperkalemia can participate muscle weakness, and this becomes a safety need, and they become a fall risk. Hypokalemia, abnormally low serum potassium level defined as less than 3.5. Symptoms include fatigue, weak and irregular pulse, muscle weakness and cramps, nausea, vomiting, and ileus, parathesias, decreased reflexes, polyuria, hyperglycemia, EKG changes such as an ST depression, flattened T wave, bradycardias, and ventricular dysrhythmias, postural hypotension, confusion. Hypokalemia can be caused by GI loss through excessive vomiting, diarrhea, the use of laxatives, Cushing syndrome, wound drainage, excessive diaphoresis, NPO status, alkalosis, renal disease, uh, excessive laxative use, water intoxication, uh, TPN, Prevention and screening includes discussing compliance with medications and medical follow-up for pre-existing disease processes, the use of appropriate IV solutions for rehydration, use of potassium-sparing medications, discuss the need for diet rich in potassium, such as bananas, oranges, spinach, broccoli, avocado, dried fruits. Non-pharmacologic treatment includes treating the cause, uh, dietary intake of foods high in potassium and pharmacologic treatments include uh, supplementation with potassium, um, either orally or IV. Uh, special considerations is that IV supplementation of potassium can be painful and irritating to the veins. Rapid infusion of potassium can cause depression of cardiac contractility and even death. Potassium should not be administered at a rate of more than 20 MEQs per an hour. Some medications such as insulin, aspirin, prednisone, lithium, laxatives, gentamicin, and aldosterone can decrease potassium levels. Diets low in meat and vegetables can cause low potassium levels. Expected outcomes include that the potassium will return to normal. Underlying causes will be treated. The patient and family will acknowledge appropriate use of potassium supplements and food rich in potassium for oral intake. The patient and family will identify signs and symptoms of hypokalemia and the need to report to a healthcare provider. Complications include cardiac dysrhythmias, paralytic ileus, shock, and sudden cardiac death. Hypercalcemia. 
abnormally high serum calcium level defined as being greater than 10.5. Symptoms include increased heart rate and blood pressure. In high levels of calcium, the heart rate will slow, can cause blood clots, muscle weakness, decreased deep tendon reflexes, mental confusion and lethargy, decreased peristalsis, constipation and abdominal pain, hypoactive bowel sounds, flank pain, bone pain, pathological fractures. Hypocalcemia can be caused by excessive oral intake of calcium and calcium-containing products such as nutritional supplements. Uh, excessive parathyroid hormone, excessive oral intake of vitamin D, renal failure, use of thiazide diuretics, hyperparathyroidism, malignancies of the breast, lung, prostate, and bone, hyperthyroidism, immobility, dehydration, acidosis, leukemia. Um, risk factors include bed rest or extended immobility, increased intake of high calcium foods and fluids. Thiazide diuretics can cause excessive calcium levels because of the excessive phosphate excretion from the kidneys. Prevention and screening. Discuss compliance with medications and medical follow-up for pre-existing disease processes. Discuss need to avoid over-the-counter medications that contain high levels of calcium or vitamin D. And discuss the need to restrict calcium intake in food. Non-pharmacologic treatment include addressing the uh, cause, possible dialysis, encourage early ambulation to prevent calcium loss from the bone, discourage use of high uh, calcium foods and products, use of normal saline IV infusion to increase renal excretion of calcium, monitor and treat dysrhythmias due to the elevated calcium levels, pharmacologic treatment, Decrease the use of medications containing calcium or vitamin D. Medications that increase excretion of calcium and bind with calcium, such as Lasix, Methresin, or uh, Penicillin. Use of medications that inhibit calcium reabsorption from the bone are uh, calcitonin, phosphorus, uh, biphosphonates, prostaglandin synthesis inhibitors, such as NSAIDs, and aspirin. If hypercalcemia is due to primary or secondary hyperparathyroidism, treat the underlying cause to prevent renal stones. Um, special consideration is that if fluid intake of three to four liters per day is suggested to increase the secretion of excess calcium. Expected outcomes include that the patient will have a normal calcium level, the underlying cause will be diagnosed and treated, and the patient will be free of pathological uh, fractures and will have good mobility. Possible complications include osteoporosis, pathological fractures, kidney stones, cardiac dysrhythmias, and pancreatitis. Hypocalcemia is the abnormally low serum calcium level, which is less than 8.5. Symptoms include poor dietary intake of calcium, painful muscle spasm, paresthesia, numbness, tingling, uh, the Tarosu sign, which is spasms of the fingers when the blood pressure cuff is inflated on the upper arm. 
uh, Chavesque sign, which is a facial twitch on one side of the face evoked by tapping on the face just below the front of the ear. Heart rate can uh, either be slow or fast with a weak and thready pulse. Uh, hypotension, and you can see a prolonged ST or QT interval. Causes for hypocalcemia include malnutrition, inadequate calcium and vitamin D intake, uh, lactose intolerance, malabsorption syndromes, acute and chronic renal diseases, diarrhea, uh, steteria, alkalosis, removal or destruction of the parathyroid glands, acute pancreatitis, immobility, and alcoholism. Uh, risk factors are removal or irritation of the parathyroid causing hyposecretion of the parathyroid hormone, patients having a small bowel resection, partial gastrectomy, Crohn's disease can experience a loss of calcium reabsorption from the surfaces of the intestine, and some medications such as caffeine, alcohol, corticosteroids can decrease calcium absorption. Prevention and screening includes discussion of compliance with medications and medical follow-up for pre-existing disease processes, discuss the need to increase calcium intake in your foods, uh, teach methods to decrease strain on bones to prevent fracturing and pain. Non-pharmacologic treatment focuses on the cause, uh, reduce stimuli to prevent excitement of the nervous system by darkening the room, limiting visitors, using a soft voice and decreasing noises in general in the environment, injury prevention, uh, such as seizure precautions, fall precautions, pathological fracture risk reduction. Uh, pharmacological treatment includes calcium replacement, which can be done either orally or IV and giving medications that enhance calcium absorption, such as vitamin D. Special considerations, patients with hypocalcemia may experience alterations in nervous impulses and may require safety precautions and could be at a higher uh, risk for falls. Decreased calcium levels can also interfere with normal blood coagulation. Expected outcomes, include serum calcium levels returning to normal, no seizure activity, no cardiac dysrhythmias, and patients staying safe. Pot potential complications include osteoporosis and pathological fractures, laryngospasms, and seizures. Hypermagnesemia. Abnormally high serum magnesium level or serum magnesium level greater than 2.5. Signs and symptoms include peripheral vasodilation, flushing, bradycardia and hypotension, lethargy, respiratory insufficiency and depression, coma, loss of deep tendon reflexes, cardiac arrest, nausea, vomiting. It can be caused by an excessive magnesium intake, such as magnesium-containing antacids, laxative, and IV supplementation, renal insufficiency, which decreases magnesium excretion, adrenal insufficiency, thiazide diuretic abuse, burns, shock, or sepsis. Risk factors include patients with renal failure, chronic use of magnesium-containing antacid can cause hypermagnesia. 
Tissue breakdown, as seen in extensive burns and shocks, can lead to the release of magnesium from the intercellular space into the vasculature. Prevention and screening. Education about appropriate use of magnesium-containing medications. Monitor for history of adrenal disease and processes. Non-pharmacologic treatment includes addressing the cause and possible dialysis. Pharmacologic treatment is discontinuation of all magnesium-containing medications, the use of loop diuretics, administering calcium to decrease the cardiac effects. Special consideration. Alteration in the ability of blood to clot in hypermagnesium uh, can occur as platelet adhesiveness and thrombin formation times are effective. Expected outcomes include causative etiology has been determined and is being treated. Patient and family will identify potential sources of magnesium intake. Neurological function such as deep tendon reflexes will turn to baseline. Muscle strength and function will return to normal with no residual paralysis. Potential complications include coma, cardiac arrest, and respiratory arrest. Hypomagnesemia, or the abnormally low serum magnesium level, which is less than 1.3. Presentation, hyperactive deep tendon reflexes, numbness and tingling, tetany, skeletal muscle weakness, depression or confusion, anorexia, nausea, constipation, abdominal distension, paralytic ileus, and possibly seizures. It can be caused by malnutrition and starvation, hypocalcemia, diarrhea, malabsorption syndromes, chronic diarrhea and steatorrhea, Crohn's disease, acute pancreatitis, renal disease, nephrotic syndrome, ethanol ingestion, medications such as diuretics, cyclosporine, insulin. Uh, risk factors include alcoholism can be a risk factor for, for development of low magnesium because of poor dietary intake. And patients on long-term TPN can develop low magnesium because of loss of GI function and absorption in the small intestine. Uh, prevention and, and screening, instruct patient in the signs and symptoms of low magnesium to prevent neurological symptoms, instruct the patient in the proper use of medications and the need for appropriate follow-up. Non-pharmacologic treatment includes addressing the underlying cause and monitor for the effectiveness of the supplements. Pharmacologic treatment is the discontinued medications such as loop diuretics, um, amyloglycoside antibiotics, and any medications containing phosphorus. Replacement of magnesium by means of IV with magnesium sulfate or orally with an extended release mechanism such as MAG-OX or SLOMAG. Special considerations. Patients receiving IV replacement of magnesium should be closely monitored for respiratory arrest or a reflexia during infusion. Expected outcomes. Uh, the cause of the hypomagnesium will be found and treated. Serum magnesium will return to normal. The patient and family will verbalize magnesium-rich foods that should be included in their diet, such as seafoods, nuts, and green vegetables. Um, potential complications include seizures and parathesias. Hyperphosphatemia. Abnormally high serum phosphorus levels, or greater than 4.5. Signs and symptoms include the signs and symptoms of hypocalcemia, such as tetany. 
increased uh, RBC count, soft tissue calcification, altered mental status such as delirium and coma, muscle cramping, hypotension, and cataracts. Possible causes for um, increased phosphate is chemotherapy, tumor lysis syndrome, increased phosphorus intake, hypothyroidism, decreased renal excretion due to renal insufficiency, burns or heat-related illnesses, renal disease, muscle necrosis due to trauma or illness, prolonged immobility, and uh, low calcium. Risk factors, phosphorus levels are primarily controlled through excretion from the kidney. Renal disease can increase a patient's probability of developing high phosphate levels. Multiple blood transfusions can increase phosphorus levels because of the leakage of phosphorus out of the cells. For prevention and screening, instruct a patient in the appropriate use of medications prescribed to decrease the phosphorus levels and enhance calcium levels. Maintain adequate hydration. Non-pharmacologic treatment, again, always go to the base uh, root cause. Treat low calcium, which is a common comorbidity, and you could potentially be doing dialysis. Pharmacologic treatment is oral binders of phosphorus, such as salvlimar or reginal. Eliminate or substitute medications high in phosphorus. Special considerations, phosphorus functions include the maintenance of the acid-base balance in the body, and it serves in the mineralization of bones and teeth. Expected outcomes, the underlying cause is identified and is being treated. The serum phosphorus is going to return to normal value. Patient and family can identify the foods that are, uh, should be avoided, such as red meats, poultry, eggs, hard cheeses, bran, and oatmeal cereals. Patient and family understand the importance of choosing over-the-counter medications that are low in phosphorus. And potential complications include airway compromise due to laryngospasms and tetany. Hypophosphatemia. Abnormally low serum phosphorus levels or serum phosphorus of less than two. Symptoms include muscular weakness, which can present as doubled vision, dysphagia, or dysarthria. Uh, you can have large muscle weakness in the trunk or the extremities, decreased respiratory rate and tidal volume, hypotension, paresthesia, hyporeflexia, increased irritability, confusion, and coma. Low phosphorus levels can be caused by alcohol withdrawal, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, especially in the recovery phase, chronic ingestion of phosphate binding antacids, malnutrition, TPN with inadequate phosphorus supplementation, malabsorption syndromes, uh, high calcium, medications such as Diamox, insulin, and epinephrine, and aluminum-containing antacids and diuretics. Risk factors include, because phosphorus is absorbed in the jejunum, patients with GI defunction Dysfunction will be at risk for phosphorus imbalance. Aluminum-containing antacids and diuretics bind with phosphorus and promote the excretion through, through the kidney. Prevention and screening. Patient and family should be aware their quart of milk can provide the daily requirement of phosphorus. Encourage and teach about the decreased alcohol intake. Control glucose levels in normal ranges. Non-pharmacological treatment 
Uh, again, treat the cause, encourage improved diet, monitor for airway compromise, hyporeflexia, and signs of alcohol withdrawal. Non-pharmacologic treatment includes the replacement of phosphate either orally or IV, and replace all other electrolytes to norm serum levels. Special considerations is that airway management is an issue because these patients can develop neurological complications. Expected outcomes, the cause will be identified and treated. The patient will maintain a patent airway and an adequate gag reflex. The patient will be free of neurological seizures and hyperactivity. Potential complications include respiratory distress, dysrhythmias, heart failure, seizure, and coma.